Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. If you feel like your life is stuck in a rut, then this is the show for you. Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the weekly show about inspiring and equipping you to make your own path and live the life you've always dreamed of, Beyond the Rut. I'm one of your hosts, Jerry, and in just a moment, Brandon is going to join us as we have a conversation with Christina Ketchum. Christina is going to share with us how a trip to Mombasa really helped her get out of a, I guess, a rut in life and how each one of us, when we feel like we're stuck in a rut, we can find ourselves finding a new purpose, new appreciation for life when we step out of our comfort zones and help other people. It sounds counterintuitive, right? Hey, my life's stuck in a rut. I need to take care of me. And then here we are, we're going to share with you how, by taking care of others, you actually are taking care of yourself. So sit back and relax, unless you're driving. In that case, we need you to drive safely and, and just be safe out there, as we have a conversation with Christina about how serving others actually does help serve ourselves. So here we go. All right, Brandon, welcome back to your own show, and nice shirt, by the way. Thank you. It was given to me by a young man named Jerry, who yes. looks similar to you. Yeah, I'm, I really appreciate that you referred to this guy as a young man, too, because hey, that, that is, I'm sure. You're still a child. I am, actually. I'm knocking uh, on 50. You're just walking away I'm like away a 12-year-old trapped so. in a 43-year-old body. That's what I am. Uh, anyway, that's we not what we got together this we week. We got a special dating event. A note. Is it what? a dating edition? Date, what? No. I'm no. just kidding. <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway. We're just joking. That's not why we're here either. Uh, <laughs> we were both terrible at that when we did it. So yeah. we, would, we, we would definitely go to any other podcast uh, on dating. But you know what? Somebody not listening right now one. just went, I knew it. Yeah. I knew they were gay this whole time. <laughs> Shame on you. <laughs> please, please don't take dating advice from either one of us in person, on the podcast, or any other way. Uh, so with that said, but welcome. But we do have this awesome person yes. named Christina. Christina Ketchum, welcome to Be on the Rut. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. And, and <laughs> I'm we, excited. We thank you for not judging us. Yeah. I won't. I promise. <laughs> and we forgive you if you already have. <laughs> <laughs> we know we're being judged. All right. So, Brennan, <laughs> tell us all why we invited Christina onto the show. Well, she is the other half of the twin dynamo. Uh, oh, yeah. Alyssa Hope Wagner uh, was Alyssa on. Alyssa Hope Wagner, who has written books and all that kind of good stuff. And uh, we've known Christina for many, many years, but she has a real passion for people and, mm -hmm. and helping people. And she not only does that professionally, but she also recently went over to Africa and does a lot with, uh, an, I believe, an orphanage over there. I went to like four or five different ministries over there, okay, Good, all having to do with kids and stuff. Cool. Yeah. So I, we were talking about it on Twitter, and I said, you know, we got to get you on the show and, and, and hear about that, hear about your journey and what's going on over there and, and what really got you passionate about that, made you want to uh, get involved there. But for the audience listening, I just thought they would get a real kick out of learning what it takes to to get that done and make it happen because i know mm -hmm. a lot of people are like well you know i could never go on a mission trip it's just too far it's too expensive or too big or dangerous or whatever it is and and 
if you just look at the negatives, of course, you wouldn't probably leave your house if you were paying attention <laughs> to all the stats and stuff. But you made a real point to make sure that you were making a difference in a place where you could instead of saying, well, I can't solve everything. I'm going to do nothing. You did something. And, and so I just wanted to hear about the story of how you got involved, why you mm-hmm. go and, and what happens over there. Okay. Well, my brother, my brother and his family are over there in Mombasa, Kenya, and they're missionaries. They they live halfway, half in Corpus and half there. They'll like flip houses here and and make money and go back to uh, Mombasa. And those that don't know, Mombasa is a huge city. It's like um, three million. It's like one point four million and three million with the outskirts and stuff like that. Um, Very poverty stricken. um, A lot of you know, a lot of drug abuse, especially glue and lack of education. And it's just, um, and then it's religiously very diverse. Um, if it wasn't such a tourist, um, place, it'd probably be a lot more, I mean, it's violent, but a lot more violent, but because of the tourism, the religions kind of keep the peace. So you can (laughs) walk down the street and you'll see a mosque, you'll see a Christian church, and then you'll see a Buddhist church all on one street is, it was so fascinating. That's awesome. So what got him involved in that? Was that something that he just grew up wanting to do? If you would have told me 10 years or 20 years ago, my brother would have been in Africa (laughs) uh, being a missionary, I would have said, no way. (laughs) But I think he just went there one time. I mean, no, I think he got a calling to go there. And then they went and then they fell in love. And they wanted to go into more of the village areas, but ended up in Mombasa um, at working at a orphanage there and then just fell in love with the city and the culture and the people and just had a heart for it. And so ended up staying there. And so he's there. And the main reason I went, I, cause I love, I love helping people. And for Christmas, I wasn't going to have my kids and it's real hard, you know, for me to be without kids. And so I was like, well, let me go over to Africa and be with those kids and right. help out there. And so that was like the, the pool to go there. And I'm really glad I did. How long were you over there? I was over there. Uh, I couldn't, I was over there like four days mm-hmm. and it took a day to get there and a day <laughs> to get back. I think that was the hardest part of going there was just the traveling. It was just really mm-hmm. hard. It's like 24 hours, but I mean, it was fun. You can make it a lot of fun, but that was, I think the hardest part was going over there and being in this tight little seat for 24 hours. So, um, but being over there, I was there four days, and I, I hit the door running when I went there. I, the first thing, I got there um, at 8 in the morning and then went to a baby orphanage mm-hmm. the first thing and um, fed babies and learned about. They have orphanages in um, city-run orphanages in Mombasa for babies that are, are, are left. Although they're trying to get rid of them, the, the, the city's trying to get rid of them, stating that the family should be obligated to take care of them, which is difficult because the families are poor. And so if right. the families take on these children that aren't wanted, wanted, they usually end up getting more abused and neglected and stuff like that. But it was a city run. And that and that day we got them a pool and filled it up with water and they'd never been submerged in that kind of thing, oh, you know? Wow. And so seeing them in the pool and I have tons of pictures, seeing them in the pool splashing in water because, you know, water is a commodity over there you know right. it's it's hard to come by and seeing them splash in the water was just like you know kids here they love it but over there it was like a magical experience and just watching <laughs> that was really fascinating did you have any kind of training going into this 
I mean, obviously you're a mom, you know, that part of it, but how did you know what to expect or get ready for it? I, I just, I'm that type of personality though. If someone who has a more rigid personality who needs to know when, what to expect and stuff like that, probably have a little bit harder time of it. But, um, I just kind of, was like, I just wanted to go and experience everything. And, and fortunately my brother, you know, my brother was there and he, he was there to help me along because it is kind of scary. The money um, is different and you tipping and, and you know, it's, it's a little bit different there. So I would highly suggest if you're going to (laughs) do any kind of missionary work for the first time, do it with someone who's already established. Um, so it makes it more comfortable, uh, for you. So it was, it was really comforting to know that he was waiting for me at the airport, (laughs) um, which was really fascinating because there was monkeys running around here. (laughs) A little different from DFW or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. It's like an open airport. Like the airports, there are breezeways. So they're, you know, so they're, they're not air conditioned. A lot of places aren't air conditioned and stuff like that. So I was just like, Oh my gosh, that's so, but everything was like so fascinating. As soon as you walk off, it's hot and you can smell, it smells different. Like, like spices when you get there. And it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. So the first place we went was the baby orphanage. And after that we went to a slums and it's on the port and they don't like, I don't like to call it slums. I don't know what else to call it, but you can build on any government land there, but you just don't own it. So they could take it at any time. (laughs) So, Hmm. but we went to the slums and um, there's a missionary that worked at the slums um, from Sweden and she has a whole school there and a lot and and the religious is really difficult because there's a lot of Christians there doing good work and and technically it's illegal, but because they're providing a service, they're providing education and they're providing food and stuff like that. It's tolerated. And it's such a tourist um, because it's right on the ocean. It's, it's very beautiful there. Uh, The land is very beautiful. (laughs) The city, it's, it's kind of dirty and stuff like that, but Because the Christians are doing a service, it's tolerated, but you can still, like they were having this whole Christian dance party, and and I loved it, dancing in the middle of the slums with all these kids to Christian music, Um, but there's a tension because there's a lot of people who are Muslim there, but they tolerate it because their kids are getting educated um, and and stuff like that, So, but you can still kind of feel the tension, but it's, it's tolerated. That was kind of the neatest thing being there, having all the religions and the tension, but, you know, very tolerated. Do you feel like you were uh, kind of received well being a a female and a Christian and an outsider? Yeah. Even though the the religion part is tolerated, it's, you're kind of, you're kind of treated special, even it seems weird, you know, you're yeah. just kind of like, cause you got money and yeah. you got, you know, and you're different from, mm-hmm. from the culture there and stuff like that. So they're always playing with my hair and, oh, yeah. you know, asking me questions and, and, and you ask me questions about it. Cause most, most of them speak English, at least the ones that are getting educated. And we were with the kids being educated cause they were being educated by this missionary. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of, but a lot of times they're just real fascinated by you. Um, kind of the religion kind of goes, um, and a lot of people who are over there with religion kind of watered down religion, even, you know, the Muslims and, and stuff like that. So there is, you know, it's, there's not like, not everyone's an extreme. Right. Um, 
extreme in the religion, even with the Muslim and Buddhist, you know, not everyone's extreme. Um, but they were more fascinated with me. So it's kind of neat, you know, having yeah. people surround you and like asking you questions <laughs> and stuff like that. It was neat. So where did you go the next day? The next day I went, okay, so the first day I went to the, the baby orphanage and then I went to the slums and had a dance party. <laughs> the next day I went to Rafa House um, and this was really, Rafa House had been around, that's that's the original that my brother got involved with. Um, they get street kids because uh, there's a lot of street kids and they specifically leave their house because there's no food. And so they leave the house and go into the street and they'll eat, um, they'll eat, you know, the garbage out of the dump. And there's actually a whole, um, and it's a whole group of people and they have a specific name. I'm not too sure, but they live at the dump right? and that, and they actually have houses at the dump and they're, and they're moving the dump somewhere else. And so it's a huge question that they're going to allow these people move with the dump because the government ended up letting them build houses at the dump. But the next day I went to Rafa House, and that was really fun. It's something about there is not – everyone doesn't have phones, you know. They don't have – they do a little bit, but they don't have the entertainment we have here. They don't have the the busyness, you know, so you can really connect to, to people. Um, and at the Rafa House, there's a bunch of teenagers. And so I was talking to them about um, this, one, this one teenager, and, and I just loved him. But he was Muslim and he was trying to, and he'd been in the Rafa house for a long time and he knew God and the Bible back and forth, but he had never claimed to be a Christian yet just because, um, just because his family would anyways, but he had these stories of miraculous stories of at 10 and being living on the streets and, and just surviving. And it was just so fascinating, you know, what they've experienced, um, you know, through their life, but yet they're still happy and, you know, and still loving and still caring and stuff like that, even though they've been through hell and back. Right. It was really neat. And it changes your whole perspective on your life. You know, when you think about, I can go into the next room and, and get fresh, clean, cold water out of my refrigerator and Uh not even think twice about it. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And plumbing, you know, they got some of the places we went to have no plumbing. They got holes in the ground or they have to go and carry their water in or um, or they'll go days without eating. It's it's really neat. But they you know, they don't complain about the first world problems like we do. You know, they (laughs) so so their Netflix isn't slow to buffer when they're trying to watch something on Netflix or, you know, the Wi-Fi is kind of slow in the house. It's like they don't have those problems. Bigger issues to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. And it's real. And. Over there, it's real interesting because their suicide rate is low compared to the U.S. The U.S. suicide rate is so much higher than theirs. Um, there, you won't find a lot of suicide over there. People wow. are and and you to us, we would think that's weird, but they want to survive. They want to live. Yeah. They want to, you know, they're resilient. You know, and I and I don't know. I would like to study that a little bit more. You know, why mm-hmm. is their suicide rate so low compared to ours? I would like to study that a little bit more. But, um, which I just find that they're just a resilient population, you know, yeah. it's kind of interesting, you know, we're a first world country and you know, so many people, despite having all that we have feel lonely and, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. to the point where, you know, life isn't worth living anymore. And then you go to this very impoverished area and people are fighting tooth and nail to stay alive. 
and yeah. joyfully, joyfully. But they're yeah. so connected over there. Over yeah. here, we're so. I mean, yeah, we're connected through social media and stuff, but we're not like connected, like soul connected, like yeah. really right. having these deep uh, conversations and really connecting at an emotional level over there. They're, you know, they they got time. They don't, you know, they don't have. They're struggling and stuff, but they really connect with each other, which I yeah. think is really cool. Yeah. And I think maybe that's part of the reason because even though they're struggling and they're suffering. They're really connected with each other. Um, and also, you know, I was thinking about this on the flight home over here. I, and someone described it to me because I was talking to my sister-in-law. But over here, everything's kind of gray. You know, we have a lot of good stuff and we have a lot of – but everything's gray. But over there, it's so dark. And so when you see a light shine, it's so bright. Wow. And, and so true. something over there, something over here that would happen, we'd be like, eh, you know, yeah. seen it before. Over there, when something – you know, amazing or, or happens. It's so bright and it's, it just, so they have, you know, over here is just so mediocre all the time, even though we have tons of stuff going. This is a great story. On the last day we did a Christmas. Um, it's, they call it the feeding, but they feed like 300 to 600 kids every week. And some of the kids, you know, travel for eight miles trying to get there. And um, they were having a Christmas. We were having a Christmas party. So we planned for, we thought 300 were going to come. We planned for 600 and a thousand kids came. Oh man. And yeah, it was, it was intense. There was some other intense parts of it. Um, but, and these kids were, you know, were just starving and they had their clothes were kind of ratted. And a lot of kids had younger babies, you know, this six year olds holding this infant, you know, with them and they walked over to get food. Um, and when you, when we and we had little Christmas presents for them, we had marbles, balloons, which I brought over from the U.S., which was probably their favorite. <laughs> <laughs> balloons, uh, bouncy balls, an apple, a muffin, and so we and stickers and stuff like that. And just and it was kind of intense because when they start lining up for this, they end up trampling each other. Yeah. trying to get them in line and stuff like that. And I was, I thought I was going to have a heart attack, but every, every week it's kind of like that where they're almost trampling each other and fighting. And you can see like some of the faces, you can see like the anger, like they're so anxious that they're not going to get this, this item and stuff like that. But um, they control them over there with, with sticks, which, <laughs> you know, here in the States, we'd be like, Oh my God, that's awful. But over there, they, they, they don't hit them, but they, it's just a fear in the schools. They do it too. They all have a stick to try to control the masses, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of like, do you want them to trample each other and hurt each other or control them, you know, with this fear of the stick. So, but it ended up so many people came and we ended up having to, I don't know, God was there. We ended up having to like divide things and throw in other stuff, but we ended up helping, you know, we ended up giving everyone left with something, which was, which is really cool. But the balloons, they love, (laughs) They love the balloons. You know, here balloons are like, eh. Yeah. You know, they yeah. lose interest in like, but they loved those balloons. Yeah. That was awesome. Get a hundred for a dollar over here. Yeah, over here, like, I don't want another balloon. I already have balloons. Doesn't even have helium <laughs> in it. Yeah, and that 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 difference is really what I saw in your conversations about the trip was seeing the difference. And I know it's easy for those of us that are parents to say, well, you know, my kids have almost starved to death inside my house just because there wasn't anything prepared food to eat, you know, <laughs> yeah. and these kids are walking miles and 
my kids at different times are like, I'm not going all the way over the other side of our kitchen to get something. It's like, okay, well, then, <laughs> you know, we don't live on this 50 acre estate. I mean, it's like 10 feet, but the difference mm-hmm. between what people value, I think is what makes them connected because we have, like we talked about thousands of friends online that I've never actually met. But over there, they're connected because they value those. You know, my relationship with you is important because our survival depends on it. I need to help yes. you. You need to encourage me. We need to do these things. So that connectedness is what really drives them. And they mm-hmm. don't devalue people because they know how valuable they are to each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After going on this trip, what do you find yourself most grateful for? Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Capshow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into Capshow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. Capshow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Oh, here in the States? Plumbing. Um, Probably plumbing. I guess... Safety, healthcare, you, you, like your basic necessities in life, you know, mm, knowing yeah. that I could go because there, there was a man over there that had a broken leg. And here in the States, even if you don't have money, even if you don't have health insurance, you'll get that broken leg fixed. Yeah, yeah. But he didn't have and I guess it'd been broken and uh, my family knew him. Um, it had been broken. But it just if you broke if you break a bone or if you. Is something, or if you're sick, or something here that could be easily fixed over there, you're you're just gonna suffer with it for the rest of your life. You know, right. you know, a, a broken bone, it'll just grow back, and you'll just be limping for the rest of your life. I think just understanding that I could get healthcare, and understanding that I was protected, and I had police that I could call to come mm-hmm. help me, um, and that's probably not while another reason they're connected. You know, because they're having to protect each other and stuff, but. Right. Just having services over there, you know, we have services here for rape victims and for if you need help with electricity or if you need help with food or clothes over there, you got boy, little boys wearing dresses just because there's there's no other clothes. You know, it's right. not like they can go to somewhere and get free clothes, free food, free health care or, or there's no social services over there. Yeah. You know, so and I'm a if- social worker, so I'm you know <laughs> big in social services for right. the underprivileged and they have – they have nothing over there like that. Right. You know, it just like there's there's no there's nothing over there. And over here in the States, if you work hard and you can usually move up, you know, you you always right. have an opportunity there. You can't there's right. there's that you can be some of the people, the boys in the Rapa house. They'd grown up in the Rapa house and they finally graduated. But even though they have an education, they're smart, they're they're well-spoken. They they still can't find jobs just because right. it's who you know, it's right. who you know and and so so over here there's not there is some things that you have to overcome but there it's you're completely blocked there's yeah. there's no way to get higher you know 
to move up or to progress over there unless you know someone. It's it's kind of it's difficult. So all those boys, they've graduated and they still haven't become successful adults mm-hmm. just because there's there's just no opportunity over there at all. That's where they become real susceptible to crime or extremism mm-hmm. because that's the only other opportunity there. You know, mm-hmm. here we can pack everything up and move to Wyoming or Canada or anywhere else. Yeah. You can, you know, just move if you want to. And uh, I know it's not quite that easy, but essentially you could and work yeah. someplace else. But yeah. there it's not an even leaving is not an option because you, mm-hmm. you can't get out of there as opposed to mm-hmm. just, you know, we can call U-Haul and throw some stuff in a trailer and leave if you want yeah. to. But that's not yeah. an option over there. Yeah, they have. There's no options. There's absolutely no. There's just no options. Mm-hmm. It's. I think that was just the hard. It didn't matter how hard you work, and then you can see why some of them, why it would be that mentality of why work hard. Because even if you work hard, there's, there's no options. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's just not a lot of opportunity over there. See, so do you think it's changed the work that you do now, and and having that experience that the way you approach some of the patients that you have it's, now? Yeah, it's changed. I want to do more of it. I want to do more of that kind of missionary work. I think, and I think maybe, and I, you know, and I have different ideas, but one idea would be maybe turn in like that missionary work, but have it kind of like half missionary work, half vacation for people. And maybe they would do it more. Like I went there and every, you know, I was working from sunup to sundown every day in different missionaries and stuff like that. The last day I did, like, I rode a camel, I went to the beach and got a massage and stuff like that, which, in thinking back, I probably should have sprinkled that up a little bit more in it, because I was exhausted. And I think maybe it'd be a lot of people, because it's a great experience, but but, I'm a busybody, I'm hyper, and I I love helping people, it's my my career, so for me, it wasn't that difficult, but I think for someone else that's not as hyper and as energetic, it would be a little bit more difficult, and so I think... Maybe if people would do like, uh, like, because there's Mombasa, there's a beach. I mean, you can do scuba diving, you can yeah. parasail, and you can do lots of stuff there. It's a touristy country, so um, maybe if people like families would have an idea of doing that, go to more countries where they can do half missionary work, half you know vacation. It'd be a little bit more, um, you know, people would be a little bit more apt to do that to get that education, and then also, you know, have a little bit of vacation also. That's so that was another answer. idea when I came back and I was telling my brother, maybe he should kind of, kind of <laughs> do that, that, you know, yeah. that's a good idea. <laughs> get, more, get more people to help him. <laughs> it, it, it's kind of hard mentally too to picture somebody scuba diving and close by there's people that are digging through the garbage to get, mm-hmm. but to yeah, get that's, I went to Jamaica once and to a resort for a wedding and it just totally like, I hated it. Because mm-hmm. inside these walls was everything, as much food and drink and pleasure as you wanted, essentially. But right outside them was abject poverty. Yeah. And I just could not get my mind around it because mm-hmm. we had these mm-hmm. big buffets all set out and all this kind of And they would bring you stuff. And it's like, I just could not deal with it. It, mm-hmm. it threw my brain for a loop. And at the same time, you can't save everybody over there either. Right. Yeah. And you can't grab oh, yeah. a tray from the buffet and take it outside the walls, obviously. Yeah. But. You know, everybody can do something. You try, but yeah. <laughs> so that's exactly so. So go out and help and and do that mindfully and help people and pour yourself into that. 
But then when you are doing something for yourself, don't feel guilty. Right. Don't feel, you know, and, and, and try to enjoy yourself. And, and I think, and they show that being good to yourself actually incre- in, in research, I'm really big into human behavior research, but actually being good to yourself and having good self-care, those people have higher levels of compassion. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they actually have, are able to help more people because they feel you know, satisfied and they've taken care of themselves and stuff like that. So, um, so take, so, you know, have that, you know, be able to take care of yourself and do things for yourself. And then when you are helping another person, you can, you know, you're energized really to help them and pour yourself into that. Yeah. It's kind of like they say in the uh, airline safety briefings, you know, if the cabin depressurizes and the mask drop, put the mask on yourself first. That way you actually have yourself breathing oxygen so you can help the person next to you. Whereas, Ah, that's a good analogy. Yes, perfect. And we've been doing a lot of uh, videos and conversation about gratitude. And and just like what you said, it it changes your brain and and changes you physically, but it Mm -hmm. makes you more compassionate. It makes you more aware and it makes you more generous in, in your time and effort. But if you don't take care of yourself, you can, you know, go to Africa for four days and then come back and crash because you've just mm-hmm. totally poured yeah. out and you didn't refresh yourself to some extent. So, so what, yeah. um, what final words of uh, advice would you give folks uh, based on the lessons you learned from this trip? My final advice, I mean, there's, I can think of so much, but yeah. it would be that you will enjoy your life and appreciate your life and appreciate the people around you a lot more if you go out and help others and experience that, not just because of the altruistic, you know, I help someone, but it just makes you have a better perspective, you know, because sometimes we can get bogged down with our first world problems and, you know, and really, you know, get in a bad mood about it and it, and it, it just destroys our life. But just having those moments where we're helping other people and, you know, pouring into them, it makes us come back with a different perspective of, man, I really do have a good, I don't have right. a perfect and I do still have my problems and they are first world, but they're still my problems. Right. But, you know, I really do have a good and I really enjoy life. And I think it really helps us enjoy and appreciate and love our life when we, when we go out and help others, especially those who are underprivileged or impoverished and all that. And if somebody wants to get involved and maybe help your brother out or, or one of those, is, is there some place they could go online to find out more information of something that they could get involved I in? wish there was because a lot of these, these missionaries, they're isolated. And, right. you know, I met some from, um, English, from, from British, British missionaries and some from Sweden. And, I mean, they're isolated. And they're surrounded by people, but they're isolated in the fact that you know, for their culture and they would, and they would love to have someone come (laughs) help them for a week and be able to show them around. My brother loved it. He, you know, but there isn't like, I don't know if there's like a missionaries RS website where I have like a list of them them all because a lot of the times they have, um, you know, funders that they know or churches that fund them or they Mm -hmm. do their own fundraising and stuff like that. So, but it would be just to look and, and ask around to see if anybody knows a missionary um, that, you know, in whatever country that they want to go to and, 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 and talk to them and say, I want to come help you for a week um, and have you show me around and, and then, you know, be able to, you know, experience all that. That's my idea. We create an app where you could essentially kind of like date a missionary and learn how to get involved and connected to a missionary, you know. 
I gotta, I gotta get to work on that app later. One thing I would say is, we'll be millionaires. uh, Yeah, wait. Get involved with a local church that supports missionaries. You know, find a local church near you and ask the question. Hey, do y'all support missionaries? Is there some missionary I can either start writing or visit with or call or come by or whatever, and get involved in the local church that supports missionaries? Yeah, and that's probably the easiest way to do it all over the country or all over the world. Yeah, that's perfect. And we actually, and it starts a trickle effect because one of the missionaries, oh, and she's from Sweden. She's actually coming to visit us here in Corpus next month. Cool. Yeah, and she's 20 or 19 or 20, and she's just amazing. So she's coming here to to visit us. It's like you get to meet all these international people, which I think is fascinating. And for us, Americans, we're we're lucky because everyone speaks English. Yeah. You know? Everyone, you can go anywhere. That's the one thing just I remember thinking when I was traveling, going, I am so blessed <laughs> that I speak English because yeah. everyone speaks some English. And so you can turn to anybody and they'll be able to respond to you more mm-hmm. than likely. But if you're yeah. someone else that doesn't speak English, you're going to have a hard time traveling. Yeah. Well, we would love to meet her and, and maybe have her on if she's interested. And, she would love to. She's, and we would she's also a, love to meet your brother. We'll just yeah. pick up the whole oh, family he, at some point. <laughs> yeah, they would love to. They, they're actually doing fundraising right now for, um, I think they're going, they've been going to local churches fundraising for, um, for their missionary and stuff like that. So yeah, he would love to also. Cool. That would be awesome. So there's, there's you and Alyssa and him. How many other kids do we, we have an cover? older older sister okay. and then um a half sister <laughs> and then some steps yeah we're just a blended family <laughs> that's what i always tell people my family tree is more of a mesquite tree it kind of bends <laughs> and goes out. in different yeah. directions i'd always wanted one of those oak ones that's perfect but that's not real life so. <laughs> exactly i love that <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. It was really a whole lot of fun to talk to you and find out about your trip and uh, see you on Twitter and learn about your adventures. But uh, it was was great to have you on and share that story with everybody. Awesome. I'm glad. This was so fun. You guys are awesome. If you like everything you heard in this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 178. Now, the best way you can support our show is to share us with a friend, a family member, a coworker, or that neighbor across the street, because you probably know somebody or thought of somebody who would really appreciate what we talked about in this episode. So do them a favor and share this episode with them. Now, until we come back next week, which we'd love for you to join us again, we want you to go out there and live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.